There we go. We are back again for another fantastic, insightful and exciting episode of Friday Night Counterattack today because I'm back from my European travels. I'm back from my trip to Italy and to Germany, which we'll discuss later on and how I learned a lot about German football and Italian football whilst I was out there. Met some amazing fans from Bayern Munich, Inter Milan and Bayern Leverkusen respectively. So if you're listening, shout out to you guys for having a conversation with us and uh, just having a nice time out there. It was great fun to speak to everyone and uh, to watch some of the games as well. In the meantime, I dropped back to watch Man United versus Real Sociedad and that was awful because we conceded a penalty which wasn't even a handball. It deflected off his leg. So that referee is a menace and I really don't want to get rough by that guy again. But Man United will still qualify from the Europa League group. But um, we're going to make a video on how video on how I managed to travel to three different countries rather over or under £500. So you have to stick around to the end to see if I actually made it to £500 or not if I went over for my tickets, my accommodation and for my flights. Everything else was just expensive. So we'll see how much I got on there as well. Um, but yeah, we're on to this podcast today because I wanted to talk about the fact that Thomas Tuchel has been sacked by Chelsea. I know it's been a while since he's been sacked and you've got Graham Potter as the new manager of Chelsea. But I've missed this all completely. I was away, so I need to hear my thoughts um, out loud and I need to hear thoughts of a Chelsea fan that I thought, you know what, we haven't got him on the, on the podcast yet. He's a fantastic coach at Notts County at the moment. He's a British-Asian guy who's actually representing British-Asian coaches, which I love to see and is an inspiration for a lot of people out here trying to make it in football as a British-Asian. So I do need to introduce Govinda Sharma. So Govinda, thank you very much for joining the podcast. Hope you're well. How's your week been so far, being a Chelsea fan? Yeah, thank you for, your, for the introduction and having me on. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a weird week. Um, quite unexpected. It's like we thought everything was kind of settled with all the transfers, etc. And we were just kind of ready to kick on. And then, like, yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, yeah, Tuchel got sacked, which I was literally on my phone and it popped up and it was like such a shock. Mm. It was a shock for me as well because I was in Milan. And I'm just kind of there, like, okay, cool. Then people are joking, oh, yeah, Thomas Tuchel's going to sack. I'm like, ha, ha. And then an hour later, when I checked my phone, he did yeah. get sacked. Yeah. And is this more of the Roman Abramovich style of getting rid of managers after a couple of bad games? People are saying that Chelsea aren't competing for the league like they used to, so that's a big thing. But, I mean, Thomas Tuchel brought you memories of winning the Champions League, no? He, he won quite a few cups as well, the Super Cup, the World Club Championship as well. It's done quite a lot for you guys at Chelsea. Mm. So I wanted to kind of know from your point of view, being a Chelsea fan, Gov, why did he get sacked? And do you think he deserved to get sacked? Let me hear your thoughts on that. I uh, definitely didn't deserve to get sacked. No way. We're literally, was it, seven seven games in. Um, mm. Even, he's, he's got credit in the bank, obviously winning the Champions League, winning the Club World Cup. Um, the club have backed him with almost £300 million worth of signings. So, um Going back to the question of is it the Abramovich kind of uh, era still? Um, yes and no. What we understand so far is basically um, the new owners have said they don't see him as a long-term manager and there was too many disagreements um, kind of behind the scenes and to a different direction. So, for example, I know the owners wanted to sign uh, Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> that was so funny I'm just kind of there like imagine if Ronaldo actually went to Chelsea and Tuchel still had his job yeah so that, that was all that was all the owners um, ideas and obviously Tuchel was disagreeing because 
Um, he thought Ronaldo wouldn't fit into the system, uh, which is is fair enough because if he sees one direction, then obviously he manages the team, he understands the play style, etc. Um, but yeah, but from from what I've seen on Twitter and just talking to other Chelsea fans and kind of news reports, etc. Um, yeah, there was quite a big disagreement, and it it kept carrying on and carrying on. And um, the owners basically said they don't see him as a long term solution, so it's kind of get rid of him now if we can as soon as possible and obviously yeah, we've got Graham Potter right now in the long term I think he's is it a five-year contract he's been given which I think has only happened once or twice in the past with our managers so um, yeah we're looking at a long-term project at Chelsea for once hopefully I thought that the long-term project would have come under Thomas Tuchel as well because you're kind of looking at it thinking he took over a Frank Lampard team where Frank Lampard ended up signing quite a lot of expensive young talent from across Europe in terms of how he could have got through um, that half season and won the Champions League for me was extraordinary because it was kind of like Di Matteo, but obviously a more established manager took over at the time uh, in respect to Thomas Tuchel. He had some of the biggest moments in Chelsea's modern history as well, not only winning the Champions League, but winning against the likes of Real Madrid, winning against the likes of Man City in the final, beating Liverpool, uh, winning against uh, Atletico Madrid as well, which is a big thing. So he actually won against a lot of these big managers. So obviously the likes of Simeone, Zidane, Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp. He probably beat Mourinho when he was at Spurs as well, if I remember correctly. But I'm yes. kind of thinking, yeah, I'm kind of thinking, is this more power-hungry ownership from Chelsea Football Club? Or is there a is there a real way of actually progressing with Graham Potter? Because Graham Potter to me is a, is a manager I really like. I, I've studied his methods as a coach. I've studied the way how he's gone about his business. He started at Leeds Beckett as a coach, which is uh, inspirational for all of us who are not in the football industry looking to get into the football industry. So I have big respect for Graham Potter as well. But from going from Thomas Tuchel to, to, uh, to Graham Potter, how do you see that comparison? Because you're going from a very astute, very, um, yeah, a very astute manager in Thomas Tuchel to someone who likes to be expansive, uh, aggressive football um, from Graham Potter as well and particularly in modern times as well that's not really been Chelsea's way from what I've seen so what are your thoughts on that God? do you agree do you disagree um, I think it will be yeah slightly different approach like you said I think under Potter will be a lot more expansive um, you've seen our Brighton he's got the ability to make individual players a lot better and I think we've got we've got that talent already um, and I think there's still such as like Havertz and Mount, I think can take another step up under Potter, which will be, um, it'll be exciting to see. Um, all the Chelsea fans did think Tuchel would be here for, for the long term. We all thought, um, well, initially when he did come in, we was all a bit unsure because we hadn't heard of him too much. Um, mm. Obviously, we had that stint at Dortmund and PSG, but he was still, we were still a bit unsure. And then obviously, yeah, we, we went on to win the Champions League and the Club World Cup, etc. So, we all thought he'd be here long term. Um, that was kind of signalled by again spending almost three hundred million in the transfer window. We thought, yeah, you, he'll be here for many more years to come. I think he was under that impression as well um, by the kind of the statement he put out on Twitter, reading that he thought as well he would be here for the long term. Um, but then again, I think Potter was probably the best manager available. I'd say. Um, and obviously, it is sad what happened to Tuchel, but at the same time, I'm quite excited to see how we look under a Graham Potter t- uh, philosophy. So, first Champions League game tonight, um, which will be, yeah, uh, I'm quite excited actually to see how 
the, the play style changes. So slightly pragmatic on the Tuchel, it was more winning 1-0, 2-0. It wasn't free-flowing. So, for example, the attack as well was... It wasn't as, as good as it should be for the likes of Pulisic, Ziyech, Havertz, Mount, um, obviously Lukaku last year. They weren't they weren't performing. Some people blame that to the play style and we're not getting the best of our, out of our attackers. So I think here on the pot, it would be quite interesting to see kind of who takes that next step up. And with Graham Potter as well, it's a good segue to lead into it. What do you enjoy the most out of Graham Potter's style of play? Because he has a very unique style of play that is done at Brighton. He started again in Sweden, well, he started at Leeds Beckett, but he was in Sweden in the professional games or Ostersunds as well. I remember him getting them from the fourth division to the top tier into the Europa League. And then I think they played against Arsenal in one mm. of the games as well, which is really cool to see how they actually uh, progress all the way through in that league as well. So I'm just kind of thinking with Thomas Tuchel's way of playing versus Graham Potter's style of play, how do you think Graham Potter will set up? What do you think his formation will be? What do you reckon, or who do you reckon will be his key players, God? What do you reckon it's going to go for? I still think we'll go with the back three, um, okay. especially probably between now and the end of the season. And then they might review it and go to a back four. Um, mm. But I think predominantly we'll, we'll still be playing with the back three. Um, goalkeeper's really interesting. So we've got Mendy or Kepa. Um, obviously, Mendy's the better shot stopper and probably the better overall keeper. But we know Potter loves to play out from the back and he needs a keeper who can be really well with his feet. So to kind of see Mendy or Kepa, I think that's going to be quite interesting. There's, there's been talk actually of was replacing Mendy as the first team keeper and bringing in um, someone like Robert Sanchez, obviously from Brighton or uh, Raya from Brentford. So I think the goalkeeper situation is something to keep an eye on. Um, and the reason you'd be going for those kind of goalkeepers is because they are very good at playing out from the back. They are very good with yeah. their feet as well. Um, Sanchez obviously being in the Spanish national side as well, ahead of the likes of David De Gea and Kepa, Ariza Balaga as well. So that could be a shout for the January transfer window as well. And going to... Going, going into it as well, how crucial do you think his wing-backs will be? Because again, Cucurella, someone who he's managed at uh, Brighton and improved, like you said earlier, massively in that one season from when he started to um, being a, an established Premier League left wing-back. And obviously, Rhys James, who I think is one of the most crucial players in this mm -hmm. system. He probably was already, because a, a lot of Chelsea fans love Rhys James and how he plays. And you're never the same with your backup right wing-back over there as well. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you reckon your wing-backs are going to be crucial under Graham Potter? Yeah, I think in every uh, back three system, yeah, your wing-backs are always, always crucial. Um, it'll be interesting to see on the left side whether we go with Chilwell or Cucurella. Um, and I've seen actually Cucurella play in the left of a back three occasionally. So mm. we've given a line-up with them both. Um, right side, Reese James picks himself. I think he'll, he'll be there pretty much every game um, if he's available. So I think the left side, again, it's, an, it's something to keep your eye on. Um, I would probably right now still be starting Chilwell, I'd say. I think he's got slightly more production in the final third, which is what we need. Um, and I think Cucurella is probably better at progressing the ball with his passing. And I think he's probably better overall in the first and the second third. But I think Chilwell, yeah, in the final third, he's, he can be unbelievable at times. Because that could be a place where what Graham Potter does as well as what he's done this season as well at Brighton. It's for his wing backs. He's actually played wingers there as well. So he has five proper attackers in that side, where it mm. means that your attacking uh, wingers actually drift inside as well, where it helps the main man, the striker there as well. So that's what I'm looking forward to hearing from you as well. And personally, how do you kind of see your attack going under Graham Potter? Because there is no 
marksman up front. There is no Romelu Lukaku. You got rid of Timo Werner in the summer as well. Armando Brozier is probably your your normal number nine, your your most authentic number nine there. How do you see your attack going under Graham Potter? Do you think it's going to be another rotating type of three, like um, Thomas Tuchel has done, or do you reckon he's going to go for a focal point and two behind him as well? How do you think that's going to go? Uh, that's kind of an unknown right now, I'd say. Um, me, personally, I'd like to see one attacking mid and maybe two strikers. Um, mm. Maybe go with Mount attacking mid, Havertz and Sterling as two strikers, possibly, and maybe have them split. Um yeah, I think Armando Broja is probably our most out-and-out number nine, but he's not had the minutes that he probably deserves. I think um, the times he has come on, he's been energetic um, and he's actually looked like one of our best players, but again, he's not had the minutes. So that'll be uh, something to keep your eye on as well. I think he could get a decent amount of minutes, actually, um, this season. But again, we've, we're quite overloaded with um, attackers. We've got... Pulisic, Ziyech, who have actually played our wing-back as well under Tuchel. So, again, that that could be something that Potter might look at, um, especially when we're playing against kind of the lower-end teams in the Premier League. Um, yeah, Mount Havertz, Sterling, Brojo, Havertz. Yeah, we've got plenty of attackers, but it depends, again, who takes that step up. And I think one or two of them especially will, will take a massive step up under Potter, I'm hoping. Yeah, absolutely. Because it would be cool for me to see how... Kai Havertz fits into the system as well because a lot of people have said where's Kai Havertz's best position and I think with someone like Graham Potter who can who can elevate the likes of Danny Welbeck the likes of Pascal Grosch um, in, in this side as well for Brighton he can do exactly the same for Kai Havertz and he can do it for Mando Broja it would be good for me to see if it was like Havertz and Sterling as like inside forwards behind Broja as a focal point who can then look to build uh, build the attack properly as well. He can be a good focal point as well for long passes, which you end up stretching the team, which would be really good um, for Chelsea as well. But just a bit more about Graham Potter from, from me as well. I find it quite inspiring that, again, he's someone who played for Birmingham City and then he went all the way back into the university system to actually become a coach. He uh, coached at Hull, coached at Leeds University. And I think he went to Ghana in 2007 to work for their women's team as well, which is incredible. And um, going back to Sweden as well, when he started in the fourth division of the top flight, um, fourth division to the top flight as well, and then he got to the Europa League. It goes to show that as a coach, the, the, the journeys you go on are incredible because it means that you can go all over Europe, all over the, all over the world, and you can still end up at one of the most top places, uh, top jobs in, in the country, in the world even, which is fantastic. And we had a coach on back in March, I think, Liam, my friend Liam, who's a coach at Chester, and Stoke City um, but basically he was just basically telling me that yeah Graham Potter will go right to the top right to the very top so I have to find that clip of, and I have to clip it and I have to put it on on our socials because he actually predicted it back last season as well with how he plays the attacking way that he plays as well and for me going to watch Man United against Brighton as well I really enjoyed his play I really enjoyed how uh, McAllister and Bissouma were key integral parts of his system which is really in- interesting to see because when you got Bissouma and how he's improved so well Again, it could be just down to his hard work, but it's all down to the manager as well, like you said. When you're progressing players like you are at the rate that you are at Brighton, Cucurella leaving for such a long fee, uh, Basuma leaving for such a long fee, there has to be something special about Graham Potter. Is there anything special that you see in in your new manager, Gov? Um, from what I've seen so far, yeah, the ability to man-manage and to get the best out of certain players. Um, 
I think from what I've seen so far, that's one of his key attributes. Um, I think as well, he's quite tactically flexible. So I've seen Brighton line up uh, with the back three, with the back four. Um, and they've kind of changed between games as well occasionally, I think. Um, so I think, yeah, again, that's kind of what Chelsea tend to look for in a manager is, is that tactical flexibility. Obviously, having a massive squad of some good talents in there, I think that will be quite important um, for the season coming up. Yeah, and especially with like the difference in attacking transition and defensive transition as well, going from a back three to a back five or going into a back four when you're in attack as well, because it means that some players are more free and they have a license to roam, which is fantastic to see. And especially with the way that he's seen Gagan presses as well, when you're seeing Welbeck, when you're seeing McAllister, when you're seeing Trossard go through it as well, I think that's a fantastic way that Chelsea can actually build on their lack of confidence this season as well. And it can make their defence a, a bit more shored up because obviously under the last kind of three, four months under Thomas Tuchel, you were seeing a lot more goals than when you were at the beginning as well. So it's still teething problems at Chelsea, but I think Graham Potter has it in him to actually change their, uh, change their fortunes around. But what are your predictions for Graham Potter this season? Do you have any expectations from him? Do you have any big expectations for the club? What are your thoughts, Scott? Um, I'd say minimum top four and one trophy, whether that's an FA Cup or a League Cup or if you want to go in the Champions League, that'd be nice, obviously. But Imagine. Uh, yeah. Another one coming in mid-season yeah. and they're just winning the Champions League without his own players. That'd be insane. Yeah. But you wouldn't put it past Chelsea. Stranger things have happened, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, top four, though, in the league minimum, I'd say. And then we can build on that next season. Um, I saw something on Twitter yesterday. We're looking for a sporting director as well uh, to come in and... I think he's been promised 260 million in the next two windows. So that's January and next summer. So mm. we'll be looking again to probably spend quite heavily and yeah, under Graham Potter again, uh, working out something long-term, hopefully, and bringing some of his players in that he can work with. Definitely. Now that'd be really cool to see. And it'd be cool to understand a bit more about how um, Graham Potter can actually do at the top level, because a lot of people are saying as well, he hasn't managed a top club like this. He's always been good at the lower clubs where he's been the main man. But in terms of how you're looking at it, how is he going to deal with a lot of the egos that he has? Time will tell. We can't answer that. But time will tell how he deals with the egos at Chelsea Football Club and see how he goes on with it, which will be fantastic to see. Um, but yeah, thank you for your conversation on Thomas Tuchel and uh, Graham Potter. It's great to get your feedback and your opinions on it as well. Now I need to pick your brains about your own kind of coaching gobs. So why don't you tell us a bit more about um, your own coaching journey, your own way of getting into coaching and what you're looking at getting out of coaching at the end of the day. And just to uh, describe to our listeners as well, you're currently coaching at Notts County, is that correct? Yeah, so I'm doing um, the academy side of it. So I'm working in the youth development phase. So that's between 13 and 16, but I'm mainly within the 14s. Uh, there are times where I'll take the 15s and 16s for training or a game. So um, and then also I'm with the girls' side as well, so I've gone into my third season with them. Um, with them, I'm more now this season, obviously, taking the boys. With the girls, I've taken a slight step back. I'm more of the manager, so I've got three other coaches um, that I'm working with, and they'll kind of lead the match days, um, lead the training sessions, but I'm kind of there to support them, and I tend to actually deliver most of the training sessions, but again, they're there if we want to split the groups up, et cetera, and work on more specific individual things. Um, yeah, that's really good. That's, no, that's really good to hear. That's all I kind of need to hear because I don't want you to then over 
uh, over talk because I know what it's like when you're trying to talk too much about coaching because you don't want to give away your secrets of what you're doing in the future, <laughs> which is really good. Um, but no, in terms of your differences in coaching between the uh, the girls team and the and the Notts County as well, how have you found that transition? Because I know you've been coaching for a while now, but going into a professional club like Notts County, what's been your key challenges that you've actually had um, going through uh, to Notts County? Um, I think with the girls, it's more around emotional support and confidence. So when I went into that team, um, it was August 2020. So literally... Uh, the first lockdown for COVID had just finished in England. Um, <clears throat> we spent probably two months online, keeping obviously all the players engaged, doing running tasks, doing quizzes online. Um, and then, yeah, I took my first training session in August and straight away I could see as soon as someone made a mistake, you know, heads go down. I can kind of see them processing things in their heads and negative thoughts. I'm quite good at reading people and players. So, that was something that I've probably work, been working on the last yeah, two years. And there's in particularly three or four players who you look back at in 2020 where every time they make a mistake, head goes down. Half the time you can tell they don't really want to play anymore. They're, they get quite upset. Whereas now it's, I've kind of got it into them that, you know, you make a mistake, you learn from it, you get better. And slowly they're starting to get that and they've, to be fair, this summer they've all actually taken a really good step up. Um, but I think, yeah, with the girls, it's mainly around um, emotional support. Kind of at home, I know they're all they're all really active. Um, you know, if I ask them, so for example, this week we didn't have a game on the weekend. Um, so I just said, yeah, if we do a, a running task, two kilometres, and we've got an app that we use on our phone, and straight away you could just see all the runs coming in. So commitment-wise, they're all, they're all amazing, to be fair. Um, Challenges with the boys then. So going into that, I didn't know anybody. There was obviously hundreds of players that I've never met before. Quite a few coaches that I never met before. So for me, the last few weeks, it's been just trying to get to know everybody. Um, and I think coaching the boys side of it, challenges there. Occasionally behaviour, maybe. Um, the boys going into year nine now, they could be very quite energetic and sometimes a bit over the top but that's kind of what I found so far and I'm, I'm sure there'll be many challenges up ahead. No that's really good to hear and it's really well put in terms of how you've got real world challenges in terms of developing two different sets of players and going through two different levels of coaching which is really refreshing to hear and really good to hear because I'm sure if your players will listen to it, uh, listen to this podcast back don't know exactly what you're trying to get out of them as well and obviously with a communication from a coach is one of the key strengths from what I've seen in coaching as well whether you're the one coaching assistant coaching or as a player you need to be taught properly and you need to be educated properly through the likes of communication which is really good um, to hear as well so my last question for you about coaching before we move on to our next topic God is just in terms of your own uh, coaching philosophies your own co uh, coaching principles as well how you like to play the game of football what's your key takeaways from your own kind of philosophy that you take from one uh, team to another team or do you have two separate philosophies how does it work um, I think philosophies will always stay the same but occasionally I might change the way I coach specific to a team so the kind of the principles that always stay within my coaching is um, I want the players to work hard and have fun uh, that's kind of the thing that goes right at the top if the players are enjoying themselves then um, 
you, you tend to find they're, they're a lot more engaged and obviously nobody wants to do things that they don't enjoy. So that's kind of top of the list. Um, beneath that is um, it's around having a good mindset. And like I mentioned before, if you do make a mistake, um, you know, that's now in the past. Can you try and look forward and be brave and um, try and learn from your mistakes? Um, looking at kind of playing style again, I, I want players to be brave on the ball. Um, and it's, it, you know, the level that we're coaching kind of under 16s and below, you know, you, you will make mistakes. And as long as the players are learning from that, then that's, that's what I ask for, really. Easy as can be. Fantastic yeah. to hear. And no, it's, it's one of those things as well, because when you're like young coaches like us as well, you want to have a sure way of coaching, but when you have a confidence in your philosophy and your coaching style as well, it just gives you a, a greater confidence and a greater edge when you're actually coaching because it shows that you've done your research, you've done your preparation. It doesn't matter what the opposition team are doing. As long as your players are having fun and you're coaching the way you want to coach and the players are playing in the way that you want to play, that's what works well. And that's what I think creates a really good harmony in the team as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing more from you coming forward as well, Gov, and hopefully we'll get to meet uh, at Unity Coaching soon when you're next there, which will be good fun. Or when I'm next there, because I'm never there. I'm always working, <laughs> but um, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, just to wrap up the podcast, because I do know you have to leave in a bit, I just want to get your thoughts on top three young players that you're looking forward to watching this season. So it could be in the Premier League, it could be um, as obscure as you want, basically. But try and make it as unique as possible, because everyone's heard of Phil Foden and whoever in the Premier League. So this is just off yeah. the top of your head. That's a good one. Um, I told you I challenge you on this podcast. I gave you so many yeah. easy questions and this was a tricky one for you to have. I don't want to throw Haaland in as a youngster. I think everyone knows what he is now. Um, mm. But yeah, he's been unbelievable, obviously. Um, Trying to think of some good Chelsea youngsters to start with, maybe. Um, in fact, going on recently, Mark Edwards. Um, from Sporting, I watched yeah, a bit of the game last night against Spurs. He was unbelievable. He's one to look out for in the Portuguese league. Um, I think he's due a big move soon. I think, did you see that run he went on? That messy like run he had yesterday was incredible. And I think he's a former Spurs player as well, Marcus Edwards. So it's a, yeah, in the academy. To actually see him do well at Sporting Lisbon, a lot of players, we've said this so many times on our podcast, a lot of players need to go out and kind of do this a bit more in terms of going forward and going away from England to actually develop their talents and these European clubs they do want these young English talents so I'm looking forward to seeing how Marcus Edwards kind of does as well um, I'll give you a break and I'll throw one in there for me someone who yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing a bit more from is Florian Wirtz from Bayer Leverkusen so yeah. I went to the Bayer Leverkusen game but he was injured so I couldn't get to watch him play but I'm really looking forward to seeing how Florian Wirtz does as, as an attacking midfielder if he's back in time for the uh, for the World Cup as well for Germany. I think when you see some of the talents that have come through, Marco Royce, Mario Goetze, uh, you've seen Kai Havertz come through, you've seen Meza Ozil come through in terms of some of these amazing attacking young talents. Musiala was incredible yesterday as well against um, against Barcelona. Barcelona. But you always remember Musiala because he's at such a big club. Florian Wirtz as well, someone who is kind of like a Julian Brandt type of player. So he can play all across the, the attacking three, so as a winger and as an attacking midfielder as well. So it's going to be really good to see how he kind of does when he comes back from injury and if he can actually develop himself into a, an established German talent as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he sets the benchmark 
the new touching wave of German talent. Yeah, touching on Leverkusen actually. Um, Kyle Munson Odoi, obviously from Chelsea's gone there. Ah, uh, yeah. That's Kyle reminded Munson. me. Yeah. I wanted him to stay at Chelsea. I thought he would have had a good, uh, good, good weight because Chelsea weren't playing that great. I thought Kyle Munson Odoi as an attacking player, one of the front three, would have been better. I hate when they use him as a wing back. That doesn't suit me very well, and it definitely doesn't suit Kyle Munson Odoi. So. He had a decent game against Hertha Berlin in the game that I watched. But when you're looking at these links to Anthony Gordon for 60, 70 million, you've got mm. someone in your team who's actually much better than Anthony Gordon is. But because Anthony Gordon is like the man of the moment and he helped Liver- uh, Everton uh, qualify from... Not qualify. You can tell I'm jet lag. I apologise. <laughs> um, um, when you can tell he was the guy who helped Everton escape relegation, that's how you know he's a man of the moment. But for yeah. me, I'm just kind of looking like, you know what, there's so many different people who I think would be better um, suited. And Callum hudson someone who's already on your books already, should have been given that chance, in my opinion, to be one of those attacking players. Um, oh, so. Yeah, his best position for us is probably left wing um, when he receives and cuts in. Um, you've kind of seen even in the first team, but also academy level, he's, he's been unbelievable at that. I think I saw a start somewhere where he's... Um, I think he's got the most progressive carries in the world, except for Messi, I think it was, or in Europe. Um, mm. I think there's a stat somewhere there, which is, yeah, it was his ability to receive the ball and run at players, which makes him so unique. So I think, give him, I think we've got, um, we can bring him back in January, I'm sure it is. So we might give him half a season, even probably the full season, I reckon, give him those minutes and then hopefully next season he, he'll be a starter for us, possibly. But I think he's one of the best raw talents that we've had at, at Chelsea in quite a while. Um, all the academy coach, coaches said he's, he's the best talent they've ever had. So, I, I think it, I, it shouldn't be one of those things where... Um, sorry, I'm speaking like Stormzy on Capital Radio. Um, basically, <laughs> you know when Tamori went to AC Milan and you lost him and now he's doing really well? You've seen Sammy Abraham go, lost him to Roman and now he's doing really well. Personally, for me, I'd love it if he went to Bayern Leverkusen and he stayed there and he does really well because you're seeing him start every other game. He played well yesterday in the Champions League. So you're just kind of thinking like, you know what? It's better for them to actually go away going on that narrative that we talked about again about Edwards going to sport in Lisbon. But Chelsea have such an influx of players, an influx of new talent coming in all the time. Will he get into that starting lineup for you personally? Do you see him actually getting into that starting lineup? I think he should, but I don't, I'm not sure he will. Um I think looking at the squad right now, I'd, I'd take him over Ziyech, I'd take him over Pulisic. Um, Sterling, Mount Havertz are probably just ahead. I'm, I'm even forgetting Aubameyang. I forgot he even, even signed for us. <laughs> um, just that guy in the background. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I think he, he's definitely worth keeping around. I think he's unbelievably talented. But again, like you mentioned before, he can't play wing-back as well. So there's cover left wing back, right wing back, left wing, right wing. So I don't I don't want him to be a squad player. I think he should be starting. It's just where and over who. Yeah, exactly. It's just about trying to fit him into the system and not making him a system player where he plays in just any other position. Which so he's is, doing, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're a utility player as well, I'm thinking you'd know about this as well. You don't get to shine in your own natural position because you're just being there as a squad player or as a team player. So then on in the foreground you're thinking oh yeah you're doing your job but in the background people are looking at you thinking oh yeah he's not a very good player because he's not doing his job as a wing back he's not tracking back as much he's not doing this he's not doing that and we've seen that with lost his cheat but it's done really well as a wing back but he's even yeah. better as a centre mid in his natural position which I think is yeah. 
yeah, where well, he deserves to be playing. Yeah, you take that from first team football, you can also put that into the level that I'm coaching at now. So we've got players who one time will play left wing back, then they'll be in centre midfield, then attacking midfield, let's say. And for them, they think I'm just a player who fills in when that map person isn't there. But really, it's at that age, um, trying to get exposed to different positions. And uh, I mean, I have arguments with my players sometimes around this, that if you make it into the first team and somebody asks you to play in a position you've not played before or in a role you've not played before and you struggle, then because you've not had that experience. So I think, yeah, bringing that back down to the under-16s, uh, we've got a centre-back who she's unbelievable at carrying the ball and playing these long passes. Um, mm-hmm. Well, she, she doesn't want to do it for some reason. And I don't know if that's a confidence thing yet, but for her, she's she's so, so good with just driving with the ball. And I've said, because we, we play back three, um, as soon as you receive the ball, I want you to drive out with it into the space and... She said, oh, I don't want to do it. And I said, you, you, you're going to do it. So, and she said, oh, well, I explained to her, yeah, if you go into first team football and they ask you to do that and you've not done it before, then you'll struggle. So easy as can yeah. be. You're kind of looking at it and you're kind of thinking like, this just gives the player so much more confidence if you're, they're seeing it in action, if they're speaking it into existence as well, which is really good to kind of see how people can actually develop in that kind of way. So that was a nice little segue into into your own kind of coaching as well which is why I got you on the podcast this week which is really good. <laughs> um, next player for me who I'm really looking forward to watching this season is Charles de Ketteler I don't know if mm. I pronounced his name properly but guy Who's who that? used to play for Club Bruges a Belgian international who recently moved to AC Milan who is an attacking midfielder can play as a striker can play as a right winger has got a wand of a left foot so I'm really excited to watch this guy play in the Champions League I'm really excited to see how he does going forward as a as an attacking threat for AC Milan, and obviously they've done really well um, from last season, winning the league. They've improved on their attack, which is fantastic to see. And they've got quite a few good attacking talents: Rafael Leal, Brahim Diaz, who I've liked for a couple of years as well, and then um, Charles de Kerteler, who I keep mispronouncing. I apologize, but um, he's someone that I'm really looking forward to seeing. He's someone that I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does on the big stage. Because when you're looking at the Champions League, dog. And you're looking at some of these players like Richarlison, Kukurea, um, Dirk Teller. You're thinking they've been in the Champions League for ages or they've only had a season or two of Champions League football. So it's kind of good that some of them are debutants. Some of them, some of them are in uh, that have been playing. Some of them have been playing for a season or two at different teams. So I'm really happy to kind of see how it goes um, for them as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does for AC Milan and hopefully becomes a new mainstay. There are people liking him to kind of a really Costa type vibe that you've got at AC Milan so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does going forward with that so that's two from me who's your second one that you want to rest now you've done Hudson Odoi you've done who's the other one Edwards uh, Edwards yeah third who's... one um, I'm going to relate it to Chelsea again this is oh quite God. a bad one so Billy Gilmore <laughs> um, where is he now he oh, this is madness but he joined Brighton can't remember if it was deadline day or maybe a day before, but mm. what happened was I know he wants minutes, obviously, and he's he probably deserves them. But Tuchel told him you'll be really good under a Graham Potter system in Brighton. Um, obviously, being at Norwich last season, he, he didn't have the opportunity because you know they're just getting hammered every game. But yeah, Tuchel told him, yeah, you go to Brighton, you'll get more minutes, you'll play under a really progressive manager, and you'll shine. 
we sold him on a permanent for seven million, I think it was, and then uh, next day, yeah, Potter joins Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> oh my days! I know it happened, but the way you said it out loud, it just made it funny for me. I'm sorry, yeah, it just made it so much fun <laughs> because went to go play under Graham Potter, didn't get the chance to play under Graham Potter. What makes it worse is Graham Potter becomes your new, well, your former club's manager, where he could have been playing as well. That yeah, is, that sold is him on permanent seven million. Sold him a dream. Who is who is Brighton's new manager now? They still got Lallana as interim. Yeah, yeah, they're looking at quite a few other managers, um, but no, no, nothing concrete yet. That'll be good. That'll be really good to see how he does going forward as well. But Billy Gilmore is someone who literally lit up Chelsea from his debut as well. I think he played against Liverpool in that FA Cup game. Did really well in that midfield, holding the ball, maintaining the ball. They made it into the Scotland squad as well as they qualified for the Euros for the first time in years. So that was really good to see. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing if he actually does well in that centre midfield, if he does get game time under uh under Adam Lalana so far as well. Lalana could be a player manager. Yeah. We'll end up finding back for 20, 25 million. Oh, it's Chelsea, you'll overspend on him like you did Lukaku. Uh, It'll be like yeah. 50, 60 million on him as well. Um my final player to uh, talk about as a young player is a twenty one year old from Napoli. No, he's not from Napoli, he plays for Napoli, he's Georgian international. Yeah. I'm going to butcher his name, but because I have friends who are Georgian and they recommended me this player two years ago, I've still got the screenshots from my WhatsApp when they said, watch out for this player. He's going to be playing top football um, in two, three years' time. And it's two years' time later. But I need to not butcher his name. Kavicha Kavaratskehelia. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Um, Kavaratskehelia. But he's a Georgian winger. He plays for Napoli. He is someone who played for Dynamo Tbilisi as a teenager. And he's just one of those guys that before the game against Liverpool, no one had heard of. But for me, I've always been interested in Georgian footballers because I have these friends of mine from Georgia who I met on a scouting course. So they're always telling us about Georgian players that are coming through. So I've been like, okay, cool. Let's see what they're like. Let's see what their stats are like. And you're kind of looking at it. Okay, stats are good for Ruben Kazan. Stats are good for Lokomotiv Moscow. They're good. Then he moves to Napoli. Then he plays against Liverpool on his Champions League debut for Napoli. And he tears them apart. He tears them apart. He ruins Liverpool's defence. Joe Gomez didn't know what day it was, for goodness sake. And you're enjoying this because you're like, this guy is a breath of fresh air. And in this kind of day and age where everyone knows everything about football and can watch everything at, at any time and can access anything at any time, to see this guy come through in the way that he did on his debut and light up um, the stadium against Liverpool, I thought it was fantastic. I enjoyed that so much. And he's going to be a player that I think will shine for the rest of the season for Napoli. Hopefully he has another two, three seasons there and then moves on to a larger club in and around Europe as well because this guy can go right to the top as well. And I'm thinking he's going to be a very good player. It's just I wish I could pronounce his name. I'm just going to call him by his first name, um, Kavicha. Which I butchered again. I apologize. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more from him in the Champions League for Napoli. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more from him going forward in, in Europe. So yeah, those are my kind of top three players. We've got Kovicha, we've got uh De Catella, Charles De Kerta. I'm, I'm too tired today. I'm so tired. It's a good way to end the podcast. But no, those are my three players. You'll go back and you'll listen to them as well, and you'll realize that. Even though I, we did this last season, God, the three players that I recommended, one of them was Anthony, one of them was Christopher Nkunku, 
and I forgot the other player. And then one of my managers to watch was Eric Ten Hag. Then what happened? Eric Ten Hag became our manager. Anthony became our record uh, attacking signing as well for Manchester United. So good times for me. Maybe I'm speaking things into existence onto this podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing what we have going forward as well. Um, but yeah, everyone, thank you very much for listening. I'm going to let Govinda say whatever he needs to say before we wrap up the podcast. I'm, I'm glad to be back. Um, in terms of the the video that I told you about, I still have to calculate exactly how much money I spent on flights, accommodation and tickets to see if I can get it under £500 for this little video that I've done. Um, if I did, then great. If I didn't, we'll see. But I'll do some calculating later when I'm not so jet-lagged. But uh, Govinda, I just wanted to say thank you very much for this opportunity to speak to you via Zoom. Hopefully we meet in person sometime soon and I can learn a lot from you in your coaching ways going forward. And if you want to just mention anything about your own journey, if you want to shout out your social medias, whatever it is, the time is yours, my friend. Go for it. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Um, social medias, yeah, it's just literally my name. <laughs> Everything is, is the same. So it's Govinda Sharma. Uh, I think it, it would be in the title, won't it? Yeah, I'll put the I'll put your name in the title, or I'll just put it all in the description below, which will be perfectly fine, and everyone can find. Yeah, it as well. so uh, be good fun. yeah, just just follow my social medias below in the description. <laughs> Thank Fantastic. you. No, we're looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing more from you this season. All the best of Notts County and your girls' team this season as well. Looking forward to it. Um, but no, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for following us on social media. We've hit over two hundred YouTube subscribers. So I'm really grateful for that. Very thankful for that as well. We've hit over 500 Instagram followers, which I'm really looking forward to seeing as well. Um, how else we can do this season? Because we're looking at developing so much more for you guys. We're looking at so much more content. And we are hiring as well. So if you do know anyone who is a video editor, a social media editor, um, or even a content creator as well, we're looking for new content ideas. So we're looking for new people to join us. Feel free to message us on Instagram. Feel free to message us on, on email, friday.counterattack at gmail.com. Let us know and we can see what we can do going forward. But Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Govinda, thank you very much for taking part today. Take care and goodbye.